Praise the Lord. Me too. As long as I'm alive, somebody's going to be praising God. What about it? Anybody else with me? Praise the Lord. God, God bless you. You can be seated. We've got a little baby girl we'd like to dedicate today to Josh and Sister Megan will bring their new little daughter and we'll dedicate her to the Lord. Bring them in. Bring them in. Bring not sure who's the proudest today. Grandfather, grandmother, mama, daddy, or little brother. Isn't life such a wonderful thing? Such an awesome thing. I so appreciate that there's people left in the world that desire to bring life, not take it. Let's bow our heads together. Dear Jesus, as we come into your presence again, Father, we're so thankful for the gift of life. It must have been an awesome, awesome day. Whenever you formed him, you gave him hands and toes, feet. He looked similar to your image. And then you breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul. Since that time, Countless billions of people have brought offspring into the earth. Lord, you see our age and our generation, how wicked, how cruel they are, that they would take them by the thousands every day. But we're so grateful that we still have people in the earth today that are desirous through their union to bring forth children. Now, Lord, even though that was a difficult part, for our sister going through this time. But now, Lord, it moves into a different type of difficulty to try to raise them, teach them, tutor them, bring them up in the right way that's pleasing to you. So, Lord, we know that a baby dedication is actually more than dedicating the baby, but it's also rededicating the mother and the father and their family to be able to raise this child in a home that's pleasing to you. It's such an honor for us, Lord, because your prophet has told us that if we had the right kind of home, then the angels of God feel welcome to be in our home. What a privilege. What a privilege to not only have a godly wife and father and the presence of God, but that the angels of God would want to be in our homes. Lord, I pray that you'd help my sister, that she can be the fifth gospel. Help my brother that he can be able to instill in his daughter that which is pleasing to you. And a little brother, I pray that you'd be with him, Lord. We dedicate our little life to you today, Father. Keep her from the evils of the day and the sickness. Time should get, she would get old enough to be able to know right from wrong. May she be able to give her heart to you while she's tender, Lord. We dedicate our life to you today. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. She'll make a good member here, won't you? Look how asleep she is. 
don't know what it is about a preacher that does that to people. Just <laughs> makes them rest so comfortably. Well, she's waking up now. <laughs> God bless y'all. Stand together if you would. I'm with Brother Louie. We certainly greet each of you that are here today. Appreciate you being in the house of God, the visitors that are in our gates. And we know that going to church is, to many people, it's just something they do. And they do their religion once a week, and that's about all it amounts to. But we're so grateful to, to the people of God. It's more than just gathering in a building. We've gathered here today in the presence of Almighty God. We may not see them. You may not even feel them. But the angels of the Lord are here with us today too. And they're here to minister to the heirs of life. They've been sent here today for missions to help you. Brother Branham in discernment many times whenever he would see the demons and no streaks of darkness as it would communicate from one to another, say it'd be a cancer and there'd be a person here on the platform with cancer and another one out there. And he would see that streak as it would go from this demon to that one. And then he would ask the people, can't you hear them? They're screaming. Can't you hear them? They're saying, keep them from believing. Keep them from believing. But then he would say, but the angels of God are here as well. And the battle is raging. He said, which way will it go? It depends on you. So it's the same way here today. Angels of God are here. Demons are here. But we know that the battle will go according to how do you want it to go? You want victory today? Or do you want to leave in defeat? Do we just want to assemble together and say, well, it's good to be there. Did you notice sister so-and-so's dress? Well, that was a nice suit that brother had on. I don't want to leave with that in my mind. I've got needs today. I need my Lord Jesus greater than I've ever needed him before. Amen. Amen. Let's just bow our heads together and we'll pray. I wonder how many would like to be remembered today as we go before him. Lord God, we are so grateful for this opportunity, Father, that we could come together. We recognize your presence. Not so much that we feel something tingling or we feel a sensation. But Lord, we just recognize it's you. By the way we do, I find it amazing that when the prophet would, by discernment, people would come up and they'd move into that presence that they more than likely had never sensed before. And he would say, now you know something's changed. Let me tell you how you're feeling. It's just a warm, sweet, comfortable feeling. I'm so glad that we can produce that type of atmosphere that you can feel comfortable, Lord. We want to feel comfortable in your presence. You see our needs, Lord. There are many today. The needs of our brothers and sisters around the world. Lord, I have multiple prayer cloths in my hands here. And Father, you know all the needs. I'll preach with them today and then give them back to the people, Lord, that have needs and requests. We're believing that you're going to move because you're a mighty God. Lord Jesus, we pray that you'd help us as we endeavor to look into your word. May we be benefited by our gathering together.
I know, Lord, if there's anything of eternal value that'll come out of this service today, it'll have to be you that does it. We cannot do it. So would you do it, Lord? Speak to us. Minister to the visible audience as well as the invisible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Let's turn today to the book of Ephesians, if you would. Chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. And then Ephesians 2.10. What a great mystery that Paul was able to write about concerning the church. That which had been kept secret before the foundation of the world. His heart must have been just like an explosion going on. As God allowed him to pen these words. That's put all things under his feet. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, which is his body. Now, certainly this understanding was not made known in the Old Testament. Actually, even in the days of the 12 disciples, they had no perception of what the Lord Jesus was here for. But now some 40 years after it's passed, Paul is able to put it in its proper perspective, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So you were, you were before you were. You were created in Christ Jesus before you was ever a mortal. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Then you tell me what's going to stop us. I'll tell you nothing. May the Lord have the blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Let's read also in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 16. And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? Now what we read first in Ephesians there was the mystical part of the body of Christ. But what we're reading here is not only the mystical part, but also the local assembly. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God has set, notice this, God has set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. I hope you understand today that really it's quite simple. This warfare that has been ongoing for millennium. It's not really about science, education. It's not about splitting an atom. It's not about really even conquering a continent 
or a kingdom that's visible. It's about one thing, and that is position. You see, the earth, the heavens, the universe, even the angelic creation, everything was in the proper place that Adonai placed them in until a great, great being, an angelic being, decided that he wanted to be more than what God had made him to be. He had a great position. He was the angel which stopped the approach. This is what the word means there in Isaiah. And God adorned him with great traits and great characteristics. Isaiah 14, if you'd like to read about it when you go home. Also Ezekiel 28. And he says, Son of man, take up a lamentation against the king of Tyrus. And here this king of Tyrus was a natural man. But his desire, his ambition so matched that of the fallen angel that God was able to address the king of Tyrus but also address Satan in the same way. I pray God never looks at me that way. I pray God never looks at me or looks at you and can speak to the devil while he's looking in my face. This is what he could do to this king of Tyrus. Now I know it may seem strange to you, but it was as if though Satan had a proxy on the earth that was so in line with what he wanted to be that God could have a prophet to speak to this man and he was in proxy of Satan himself. And he addressed him as if though he were the devil. And actually his ambition, his goal, his purpose so matched that of the kingdom of hell that God could address it because it was in reality in the first person that had become so incarnate in this king that this king's motive matched that of Satan. God has the prophet to unveil a portion of Satan's beginning, his origination and his destiny, also his traits and his characteristics that no other prophet had ever been able to unveil. And that was that every precious stone was thy covering. The carbuncle, the topaz, the gold, all the things that God related about this great anointed cherub. Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14 run the parallel together. And when you take both of them and you overlap them and you lay them out, then you're able to see the epitome of this being that you and I are still fighting today. And he never wanted to be the devil. He never wanted to become in the sense of evil, wicked, but he wanted to be like God. This was his desire to be like God. So he went from being the greatest person in the heavens next to God 
to what we know him today as a liar, a thief, a murderer. Is that right? Can you imagine falling from such a position? And Jude also writes about those in the great angelic hierarchy who were made as creatures which could choose right from wrong. Now we know the Bible delegates to us and tells us that there are elect angels. But there were other angels which were created and placed in a state of probate. They were placed in a state by which they could make a choice. Now they had a being in the sense of a supernatural being, but they also had a soul. Remember the prophet tells us in that day on Calvary, 1960, that Satan's soul sinned. His soul. So the soul endows us with the ability to know right and wrong. So there were angels that were elect angels. They did not need to choose. They were created with their destiny already predetermined. But yet there were other angels that were chosen. Oh my. They were chosen by Satan and they began to become a part of his kingdom by choice. God never made them thus, nor could Satan make them thus, but they by choice. And remember, there is no redemption for angels. Once they ever turn their back on God, they are forever doomed. So these angels begin to hear the petition and the desire of this great one. He was, of course, the original archangel of God, one of the prevalent archangels that God had given him, and he was the anointed cherub that God said, and I have set thee so. Thou wast created perfect with all thy pipes, and thy tablets and harps. And as a matter of fact, when you look back at those words in the original Hebrew, he was over the music department in heaven. So he knows a lot about music to this day, and he knows how to use it. But thou wast created perfect until iniquity was found in thee. Now sin is not actually a creation but a perversion of something that God gave an original angelic being. But Lucifer, whichever name you wish to call him by, light bringer, day star, all those names are given to him. And he, whenever he purposed in his heart that he wanted to be like the most high, I will be like the Most High, yea, I will exalt myself above the stars of God. And if you look that up in Isaiah and you'll click the Strong's Concordance there, it'll take you to the Hebrew word uh, that it is the Messiah's brothers or the Messiah's progeny. So I will be like the Most High, yea, I will exalt myself above the stars or sons of God. Now this is actually the beginning of sin. It was not a creation, but a perversion. So God made this being so much like himself that he would want to be like God. 
That's amazing how that God will endow people with such great gifts and abilities with charisma and abilities to influence other people and take what God gave them and then they can use it accordingly. Now this is exactly the story of Satan in the beginning when his name was not Satan or the devil but it was Lucifer, light bringer, day star. So from him it was that this great earth was placed under this original condition that we find in Genesis 1 because we know something happened from Genesis 1 till we come over to Genesis 2 and it was further revealed that the world was hanging there in darkness and chaos and God never created the earth in such a state but something had happened to it and it was there that he was given apparently to be a magistrate or a ruler over the original state of the earth, but he wanted more than what God had allocated to him. He was not content being in what God made him to be, but he wanted to be like the Most High. Now the Bible doesn't really tell us if any of the rest of the angels actually wanted to be like God or not, or if they were just satisfied in being under God and actually transferring their headship over to being under Lucifer. But we know that for himself, he wanted to be like Adonai, except he would never be able to because he cannot create, he cannot take the power of the spoken word and do anything with it because it's not in him to do so. But he can do a lot of things. And remember the power of the devil, the prophet tells us in the greatest battle ever fought, what was it, 311-62, that the power of the devil, the power that he has, is only a perversion of the power of God. Now remember that, the power of the devil is only a perversion of the power of God. So every angel then that made their choice when a war broke out in heaven. And remember Satan went over into the north side. It's always the north. The north side, he went to the north side of heaven and there he began to preach. And these angels also began to join their allegiance and transfer their loyalty from God over to Lucifer. Now, when they did that, they did not lose their ability to influence in the heavenly and the earthly realm. God created them according to his own purpose and word, and God knew, of course, what they would do, but God created them in an order of hierarchy. So there are cherubims, there are seraphims, there are zooms, and there are angels of all different types. And of course, when Satan was able to get them, there were still no humans on the earth. So they did not need to diversify what they were and go into the realm of disease or chaos or war or commotion because there wasn't any human beings on the earth. But once Satan gained the headship over many of them, then he began to divide them and he would set them out and some would become demons of cancer. Some would become demons of a cataract. Some would become a demon that would latch a hold of an optic nerve in a person's eye and would start cutting off the energy supply and that person would start losing their sight. 
or another one would become a demon life that would get in a bruised cell in the human body. And then in that bruised cell, it would start a multiplication of life. And of course, they cannot multiply themselves. So they get a cell that is backslid. And then they begin to anoint that cell to grow and grow and multiply and multiply in order to do what? To take that person's life. So God knew now that all these angels, of course, would choose to go that way. And it all comes from what? It comes from one being that wanted to be more than what God made him. Now remember, as I said, the, the whole thing of our life is about one simple thing. Us finding our position and staying in that position and never moving to the left nor to the right. And yet it will be a conquest of our entire life to find it and to stay there after you found it. And you realize that once Satan did this, of course, then the angels that were formerly angels of God, and Jude writes about them in his little big book, I call it, uh, and he writes about what the angels had, and he designates what they had as an estate. So they did not keep their former estate and they were in a heavenly atmosphere and when we think about an estate today, well, we would think about driving somewhere and seeing a, you know, a beautiful farm and a white painted fence or a vinyl fence or something like that and then we'd see some great big iron gates or steel gates or stone or something out and we'd see big old gate posts and lamp things on top of it and oh my, I've seen some beautiful ones myself in different parts of the world that I've been privileged to go to and you just look across through there and it's acres and acres of beautiful ground and it'll be ponds if it's up around Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky for those of you that have been there and there was a man, uh, an older man that married a younger woman and she actually wanted a castle. So this man on the Versailles Highway for those of you that's ever been there, uh, there's this big gigantic castle that sets out on the Versailles Highway Route 60 coming out of Lexington going toward Versailles and this man man had this big gigantic castle built for this, his wife and he had a moat built around it. I was there a few years ago in Takashi and Courtney. We couldn't come up close to it, but we was able to get a little bit close to it and take pictures out of it. And it was a gigantic estate. Well, angels, of course, did not have horses and cattle or anything like that, but they had a dominion that was given to them and God gave it according to the creation. use it for the benefit of hell. But whenever they fell, God didn't actually take it away from them, but they remained in that divine hierarchy of angelic power. So they could use it for God or for the devil, whichever one they choose to use it for. And you remember reading in the Bible whenever there was a, a prophecy or a word, and God said, how am I not gonna get this word to come to pass of Elijah? And a demon spirit come up out of hell and fell down before the throne of God and said, can I be of service to you? I'll be glad to do so if you want me to. And he said, well, how will you do it? He said, I will go up and I will become an evil lying spirit, which is what I am. And I will anoint them false prophets and I will anoint them with this lie and they will believe what I've got to say. And he said, go ahead because you can do it. 
Now, if you'll notice then, whenever they fell, they still maintain their position of hierarchy. Remember when Daniel was praying for 21 days and he couldn't understand why it took so long for the answer to come? And he prayed and prayed. Finally, the angel of God come down. And the first thing that he told him was, Oh, Daniel, greatly beloved of the Lord. He said, I have been sent from the presence of God to let you know that your prayer was heard from the first day. You imagine Daniel saying, Well, why did it take you so long to get here? But what was it? He said he broke through into that dominion and the prince of Persia withstood him. So here was an angel sent from the presence of God and he was sent down to break a revelation and answer to prayer to Daniel. But when he come into the domain of this this demon, he could not get through the domain of that demon. Now think of it, here was a demon that fell and absolutely forfeited his rights to be in the presence of God, but he still maintained his order of hierarchy whenever he fell down from the presence of God and here was an angel of God which come from heaven which had never done anything wrong, never said anything wrong, never thought anything wrong, and this demon had more authority and the, and the angelic reign and the way that it works than this angel which stayed with him. So what did God do? Then God had to send down Gabriel and he had to be with him and they was fighting a war there. And remember of course of how it was that the demon was moving upon the principal leadership of Persia of that day to try to withstand the prophecy from the word of God of Jeremiah from being fulfilled. So he was delegating this anointing upon the people, the rulers of that day and the angels of God was coming into the court of the king at the present time trying to bring the word to pass. And yet here was this man of God caught right in the middle. He didn't know what in the world was even going on. I wonder sometimes whenever we're praying and we think, well, I don't know if the Lord's hearing me or not. And we're thinking, what in the world's going on? It could be the demons hanging around Johnson City. It could be them demons hanging around wherever you live in Ohio or wherever it is. But remember, child of God, keep on praying. Your answer is on the way. The Lord, hallelujah, the Lord will send an angel if he has to. If he has to send one that prevails in hierarchy, God will get your answer. He's mindful of you. Oh, it must have been such a relief to Daniel to know that there wasn't anything between him and God. You know how we are as believing children whenever we pray and the Lord doesn't move and we begin to question ourselves. Most of us do. Lord, have I got something in my heart? Have I done something wrong? Have I not done something? Well, that's typical for a child of God, but I think the Lord also wants to realize and we've searched our hearts and the Lord hasn't revealed anything to us. There must be another reason why that you've not got your prayer so I'll tell you the thing to do keep right on knocking keep right on knocking because Jesus told us blessed is he that knocketh not knocks one time but we knock one time Lord I need this and quit, quit knocking no you need to keep on knocking until you knock holes in the door until you knock the door off of its hinges just do whatever you got to do and be perseverant until God brings the answer 
Now we know then that whenever Gabriel was sent there in the pre- from the presence of God to help this angel which was of less authority than Gabriel himself and then the angel was sent to Daniel and he gives him the message of course uh, Gabriel's visitation comes and then he makes the message known to him and he said I must turn, I must go back and fight and lo the prince of Grecia shall come. Now remember the Grecian empire had not even been birthed yet. It was in the making but there had already been a demon that had been chosen from Satan under the headship of hell. A demon which had been chosen that was going to be the main demonic power over Greece which is going to be who? Under Alexander the Great. And then this demon which was over Babylon the demon which was over this nation that nation. It's as if though they would back off and they would lose their position. I hope you understand today what happens in the world politics. Do you understand why the prophet tells us in Victor Day and service in 1964 whenever wars break out the demons of these nations get jealous of one another don't you understand why that Iran and why Russia and China and all these different countries are doing all the stuff they're doing the demon over China hates the demon over America and the demon over Iran certainly hates us Is that right? And what do they do? And the people that are there, they're only playing out the demonic headship that they're under. And they don't even even know you. Any of y'all ever met them people from Iran? You ever met the Ayatollah Khomeini? You ever met him? I ain't ever met him either. I guarantee he hates me. He don't even know me. Why would he hate me? He's under the anointing of the demon of his kingdom. But let's show the difference. Even though I don't know them, I love their souls. Why, Why would I do that because I'm not under the influence of a demon I'm under the influence of the Holy Ghost so you see our lives are going to be influenced by one power or another now when Paul is wanting to bring this to the church not only to the church then of course but believing that there would be ages or dispensations that would come down Paul was able to see that Satan would do the same thing in the church that he had done in the prior kingdoms now Paul was quite an intellectual in the sense of knowing uh, different languages, of course, and knowing the history of the kingdom. So by this time, Rome was the main power. And Paul had already read about and heard about the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, the Ur, you know, all the different ones that had come down through time. And Paul had an insight to see that it was demonic warfare, and it was that God would allocate a certain kingdom to rule for so long. And no, no matter what people tried to do to get that kingdom strength and stability when it come time for that kingdom to fall guess what it was going to fall well I know most of us probably here today are Americans and America has been on the upper hand for many many years and as American I don't really like to say this but I've got to tell the truth God has ordained that America will one day be on her face God has ordained that our nation will be destroyed America is already losing her image as a superpower Well, come on now, saints. Why? Because it is written in the word of God. How could Rome ever be destroyed when it was the most feared power on all the earth for many, many years? And yet when God terminated that thing, what happened to it? It was as if though overnight that it went from the, from the imperial part to the papal part. And yet here it is today with the very same thing. Will Rome ever rise again under the imperial power? Absolutely never. Will 
will the Greeks ever rise as a great power of the world? Absolutely never. But remember when Daniel looked and he saw by vision and he saw a little stone that come out of the mountain and it was hewed out of the mountain and it growed up into a great mountain itself and it destroyed those kingdoms where? In defeat. And it will hit it right there and the coming of our Lord Jesus. And we know of course now that it was the premillennial coming of the Son of Man to unite him and the bride together but it will come in the millennium that he will annihilate every kingdom of the world. They will be destroyed. So if you're a part of the kingdom of America, my friend, you're going to fall. But if you're a part of the kingdom of God, you never had a day you started and you won't have a day you end. Praise the Lord. You see, even in our politics, and I know that I'm, I'm certainly not a political preacher, but you know, people get all bent out of shape on politics and everybody that's on Facebook's got a pulpit anyway, so everybody can get on there and preach, I guess. Uh, you know, people fuss and fight and argue and debate even in the message about this politician and that politician, but if you believe the Bible, you believe what God's word said, that the powers that are, uh, there are to be, are ordained of God. If it was ordained of God for Joe Biden to be president, I don't care how many of you conservatives and how many of you Republicans, you could donate every dime that you ever made your whole life and you ain't gonna put whoever in there if God wanted Joe Biden to be in there. And if God don't want him in there, then there ain't enough Democrats, ain't enough liars, ain't enough crooked voting machines to try to put him in. Well, come on, don't get quiet now. The powers that be, I'm glad my destiny is not hanging on the Republican Party. I'm glad my destiny is not hanging on the Democrat party. I'm glad my destiny today is not hanging on the Supreme Court. I'm glad it ain't even hanging on the Constitution. But my destiny come down to the earth and hung on a cross. Hallelujah! My destiny is not in the hands of a man. My destiny is not in the hands of a doctor. My destiny today is not in the hands of this man or that man. But my destiny is in the hands of Almighty God. And may I go beyond me today and say the same to you. It was the Lord God that brought you on the earth. It was the Lord God that breathed into your nostrils the breath of life. There ain't enough devils out of hell to take you until the Lord God gets done with you. So if cancer attacks you, you stand on the promise of the word and say, back off devil. You never gave me my life, but Jesus gave me my life. Sickness can't take me. COVID can't take me. Cancer can't take me. Nothing can take me until God gets done. I'm ordained to live his word. I'm ordained to be a child of God. Hallelujah. It ought to give us such courage and hope today. But you realize what Satan will try to do to us is the same thing he did to Adam and Eve in the garden. You know, when the devil got out of his place and went over to the north side and began to exalt himself above the angels and preach to them. Now, let's say it this way. It was the first church split. Satan got tired of being the associate pastor and wanted his own church. <laughs> so he started preaching. Now remember, these angels never smoked like some of you. 
They never committed adultery like some of you. They never drank. The only thing they'd ever known was holiness and righteousness and purity, godliness, and everything that was my beyond our comprehension to even imagine what a place it must have been. And yet they were not content. How could a being be discontented with such perfection, such purity, such righteousness, such holiness? Well, it's the same way with church. My folks move from here and there and there to go to a church and other people, they're there and say, man, I hate it. I don't like it. I, I, I get so tired of that. I get so tired of that. Yeah. Easy to see what you'd have done in heaven. But a real child of God takes the worst day they've ever had as a Christian. And they compare it to the very best the devil ever has to offer. And they say, there ain't even no comparison. There ain't even no comparison. I'll tell you one thing. I want to be such a husband that my wife, oh, I'm not a handsome man. I know that. I won't leave her my whole lot of money if I go before she does. I sure won't leave her houses and lands and, you know, all kinds of things like that. But I want to love her so much and treat her so good and make such a husband to her that if the devil ever puts some other guy in front of her and he's so handsome and so rich and got this and that and the other to offer, she can just curl up her nose and look at him and say, are you kidding me? Why would I want to leave a prince of a man like Donnie? Why would I want to leave a man like Donnie and, and go with you, you devil? Well, that's the way the Lord Jesus does to his bride. You know, the bride says, oh, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Do I want to serve God or do I want to serve the devil? The, the bride can look at the devil and say, you kidding me? You ain't got no heaven. You ain't got no eternal life. You're a liar. You you're a thief, you're a deceiver, and the truth is not even in you. Why, Satan, you ain't even no temptation to my husband. Why, he's the bright and the morning star. He's a lily of the valley. He's alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. You don't even have nothing to offer me, Satan. But you see, discontentment Oh, we've got pills for the cold and we've got shots for the flu and shots for COVID and all kinds of shots for this and that and the other. But we ain't got no shots for discontentment. So folks become dissatisfied. You know, I hope you understand that Satan didn't set up in heaven one day and he slipped a pound mail out of his pocket and said, and then we got around the rest of the angels at gargle listering. Sin began in his heart. Very, very simple. I will. Right there was the beginning of it. Because God cannot create sin. Sin's not a creation. It's a perversion. So the perversion actually began in his soul. That's why the prophet tells us in Satan's soul sinned. His soul sinned. And what was the stem of it? What was the very root, the basis? Selfishness. 
So instead of wanting God's divine providence for him, he wanted something above the divine allocation that God gave him. Yeah. He wanted to be greater, as we'd say. Now, I know all of us are born selfish. Some have more than others, of course. I don't think we realize what a sin selfishness is. Now, I've dealt with many marriages and counsel many, many people over the years in my own church and in other churches around the world as far as people around the world. And one of the major causes that I've found of marital problems is selfishness. Now people say, oh no, 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 it's, it's the sexual part, it's the, it's the money part, it's, no, the bottom line for most of it is selfishness. The man wants his way and the woman wants hers. I wonder what kind of kids you're going to have when they grow up. Like mom and daddy. They'll want their way. So when they get married, what will it be? Same thing mom and daddy's got. Unless they just despise it so much that they purpose in their heart. They're not going to go that way. Now Satan within his being, this selfishness arose. Watch this as the prophet says, each day I want to live not for myself. If I live for myself, I live a selfish life. Now, it's totally impossible for a man or a woman that are married to be able to commit adultery on their husband or wife without it being selfishness. Not thinking of the hurt to their husband or their wife, hurt to their family, children, and so on. Oh my goodness, y'all was just about to tear the building down a while ago. What's the matter? Because it was what they wanted. Well, hallelujah. I guess I'll have to kick her down in grandma and we'll just climb up this hill, won't we? Y'all was running with me a while ago. But you see, where does this come from? Well, we know, of course, in Genesis 6 that the seed lines were mixed up to that time. There was a righteous seed line and there was a seed line which was corrupted. But Satan did not just want his own line by itself and leave the sons and daughters of God. Just let them alone, let them do whatever they want to do and I'll do my own thing. No, he actually wanted to pollute every human that would ever come on the earth. So he was able to mix them sea lines and of course they go through the ark and then they come out on the other side and there was Ham inside the ark and then we find this seed coming out of those giants which lived on down even to the days of David. And we know where they come from, uh, the Nephtalims as they are called. And they come from that Old Testament seed line which was carried over through the ark. So then the seeds were mixed together. So before the ark, before the flood, we find a Cain killing an Abel. We find the unrighteous seed doing all these horrible things. But when we come out on the other side of the ark, we find a Moses killing an Egyptian. We find a Jacob being one of the biggest liars that ever lived on the earth. Well, what in the world happened? The co-mingling of those two seeds in the natural. Now, the devil no doubt thought he had pulled something really over on God, but actually he hadn't pulled nothing over on God. As a matter of fact, it was all part of God's program to absolutely annihilate the kingdom of hell, which is what we're on the earth for. 
Now watch how Brother Branham said this. If I live for myself, I live a selfish life. I want to live for others and give what strength I have, not to myself, not to my own pleasure, but for the benefit of others that'll build the kingdom of God. Now this is totally anti-demonic. This is totally anti-Satan to live your life for others and with others in mind. Once again, when a man's ever truly born of the Spirit of God, from the crown of his head to the ends of his toenails, don't you love that theology? End of his toenails, he's been changed by the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. His own selfish ideas have faded away. And God has got complete control of that man. He'll believe every written word of the Lord Jesus Christ and practice the same. Amen. Notice this in the mighty conqueror. We will never conquer. Oh my goodness. As long as we are selfish. Not smoking, not drinking. Not, oh, you see, that's part of selfishness too. You see, we still, we still do not believe, I don't think, what the prophet told us, that drinking, smoking, lying, committing adultery, that is not sin. It's the attributes of unbelief. And it comes from where? A heart that is selfish, self-centered. It's all about me. It's about me. It's what I want. You know, a man that marries a girl or a young woman, and he thinks getting married, all he thinks about is what it's going to do for him. How it's going to benefit him. Oh, he'll be so happy and he'll be this and he'll be that. Sis, I'd run from him if I was you. You don't want to marry a man like that. Because your whole marriage will be based on you pleasing him. Uh-oh. Well, praise the Lord. Why did Paul tell us men to love our wives as Christ loved the church? Amen. Even the sisters didn't say amen to that. Now, whenever we look at what the basis of it is, let me, let me read this one to you too. My friend, let me say to you tonight, the eagle is stirring a nest, and if there's anybody in this building tonight would dare, set your wings or in God's promise of his word. God will take you from that miserable, unrighteous, ungodly, you mean selfishness is ungodly. Y'all want to just go eat dinner? You mean selfishness is satanic. Yes. It never comes from God. The selfishness you feel, remember where it started. In the heart of Lucifer. Now, whenever we get born again and our nature changes and we get a change inside of our soul, then it sets us on a different path. But it leaves us inside a prison. So here today, those of you that have the Holy Ghost, you are a redeemed attribute of God, but you're a new creature in the same old temple, in the same old house. So selfishness, 
temper and whatever more is still in this prison house and the redeemed soul is living on the outside and the more that we submit to the life of the soul the more the outside is captured and brought into subject to the word of God can a Holy Ghost filled child of God still make mistakes absolutely they will as a matter of fact the prophet of God said you'll do things wrong willingly well, I figured some of you legalists wouldn't say amen to that, but that's exactly the truth. I dare say there's not one person here today that's lived a complete, perfect, sinless life this last week. Including the man preaching to you. Why? Because I am still held captive in this so rotten, stinking body that I'm in. You see, some of you are proving your mortality by the thoughts you're thinking about me right now. It proves you still ain't yet still. You're still under that old bondage of that old man, that old house. But the more we submit to the inward life, the more it brings this outside subject. Oh, Brother Donnie, if I can ever get this body subject, I'll tell you when you'll do it, when you get your new one. This outside don't like going to church. This old outside don't like turning the other cheek. It'd rather smack somebody's face. This so outside would rather get even with somebody, but if we're living a life by the nature of God and the soul, it will make us pray for our enemies. It will make us turn the other cheek. It will make us give us a soft answer because the Bible said, a soft answer turn us away wrath. But selfishness will say, they hurt my feelings and I will not forgive it. Go ahead, devil's child. I've quoted this quote all over the world, and I'll tell you what, it always wrinkles people's noses when you do, preachers included. The prophet said whether you're a prophet or a priest or a king, whatever it is, you're born between Satan and Eve. Say hello to mama. And daddy. Oh, you thought the orange dabs were your parents. Uh, no, take it on back to your original ones. Thank you, Jesus. The prophet preached this message at his tabernacle there. It was a Wednesday night service, and it wasn't really prepared, but he start, turned around through the scripture there to see if the Lord would give him something to preach on. And he did. And he entitled this sermon title, Paul, a prisoner. And then paragraph 94, it says, Oh God, make us prisoners like that. Talking about Paul. From our own selfish ambition. You see, what we read there in Corinthians was that Paul said, God places people in the body as it has pleased him. So most of us, our calling, if we're a Christian, is not actually what we want to be. Or you say, I'm undoing exactly what, I'm, what I want to do. More than likely, you're out of the will of God. That's right. Oh, I've always wanted to be this, and God let me. No, you're not in your right calling yet. Notice the prophet said the man that wants to do it, like an preacher, he said the man that wants to do it is the man that can't do it. Because he wants to so bad. Do you understand what that is? It anoints us. The same thing that moved in Satan's soul. Amen. 
Oh, my goodness. Notice this paragraph 98. Oh, tonight if we as the Branham Tabernacle could only become prisoners to our own selfish being, to our own ambition, that we could completely... Now remember, Brother Branham is preaching to saved, sanctified, and for a lot of them, Holy Ghost-filled people. And he's not preaching for them to be saved, but preaching for them to be prisoners. To what? Their own selfish ambition. Amen. Mm. That we could completely surrender ourselves and be yoked to him, no matter what the rest of the world thinks, what the rest of the world does. We're yoked with fetters of love. We are prisoners. Now, Paul had such a time dealing with the Corinthian church because, as I mentioned last Sunday, they were so gifted. You know, I can't say I understand how all that works. I mean, I look at it with my thinking, and I think, you know, if I looked at any, many, many, and mo, and any, many, many, and mo, all of them was going to be proud and arrogant if they give them a gift. I wouldn't give you any, many, many, or mo, nothing. But that ain't the way God does it. It's like God just disperses the gifts out. He knows what any will do, many, and mo, and me and you. And yet that's the way it was in the Corinthian church. There was such a gathering together of great gifted people and their main emphasis was the gifts of the Spirit. Especially the three vocal gifts. Tongues, interpretation, prophecy. Typical Pentecostals. And every service was all about them being able to magnify themselves. And what they could do and how people would look on them and say, oh my, what a gifted man. What a gifted woman. What a gifted individual. And yet character had nothing to do with gifts. I hope you understand that. That people sometimes think because a person is so spiritual, so-called, and so gifted, that has nothing to do with their character. Not one thing. These Corinthian people were almost characterless. But they were one of the most gifted that we see in the New Testament church. But yet they did not have an understanding about edification of the body. It was all about them. So they'd come in and they'd speak in tongues and they'd jump up and down and they'd sing. And they had a doctrine and they had a quote and they had a psalm. And they had all these things. It was not about the body. We're here today not just to benefit Donnie Reagan, Dal Orndo, or you as an individual. We are here for the benefit of the body of Christ. Oh my. Listen to this. The prophet said the worst unbeliever you'll ever deal with is not that man who's never heard. It's the man who's self-centered. Now listen to me. You get your little updates on your phone and your all this, you know, these people are doing this and this and kill so-and-so and this one done. You think them bunch of unbelievers, I'll tell you what, America's the worst bunch. No, no, no. According to the prophet, them are not the worst unbelievers. Y'all ready? The worst unbeliever you'll deal with is not the man who's never heard. It's the man who's self-centered in his own way and won't heed to God. Amen. 
That is the worst unbeliever you'll ever deal with. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. It's a man who's self-centered in his own way and won't heed to God. That's the worst kind to deal with for they seem to be just so centered that nothing can move them. Don't talk to me. I'll tell you, friends, we have got countless of numbers of them around our message. They have heard the message so much when you start quoting a quote, they can finish it for you. Especially if you leave out a dot, 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 or an and or a the or something like that. So self-centered. But tell them, tell them, give them the advice of the scripture. I don't feel led. Boy, that gets us a cop out, don't it? Well, if you've got the Holy Ghost, you'll definitely feel led to obey the word. So what does it lead to? Know-it-alls. Can I have a little bit more time? Thank you. I was afraid you might say no. Brother Bram said, we're in the spirit of the latter days and people are heady, high-minded. Can't tell them nothing. They know it all. Now in reality, they don't, but they think they do. They won't stop and listen to human, to reason, to listen, stop those things, live right, and live before God. What a horrible thing to be into, but this is part of the spirit of the last days. Now, either you and I are going to be in this spirit, or we're going to be in the spirit of, teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord. Train me. Train me. I don't know about you, I live every day of my life. I'm still in school. I'm still in school. The school of God. I want to live every day of my life. If I do something wrong, if I step out of line, that the Holy Spirit can train me. The Holy Spirit can school me. But Brother Donnie, you've been a Christian most of your life. You've been preaching most of your life. So? I'm still a rotten human being. You might as well say amen because I smell the rest of y'all's rottenness too. You're as rotten as I am. The people are in the spirit of the last days like it was in the days of Noah. Sorry you visitors had to be here today and these poor little sheepies, they get out of line sometimes and pastor has to break their legs. God bless you little visitors. Y'all go home and be glad to get back to your church. They were eating, drinking, man, giving in marriage and unconcerned, don't care because I'm sure I'm the only one in the message that's got people like this. Oh, my, I know all the people up in Ohio are just, they eat breakfast with angels. They have lunch with, in your dreams. Listen to this. These American people is the worst on the face of the earth. Don't you see what we have to deal with? So this is what our nation is compiled of. The worst on the earth. Listen to prophet as he describes them. Heady, high-minded, incontinent, fierce, despisers, know-it-all. If there's any place in the world with a Bible over my heart, God knowing, looking down on me, why I have to stand before him before morning. 
If I have to say it so, this place needs missionaries. Worse than any place in the world is the USA. The United States of America, the greatest bunch of heathens that I know of anywhere is America. Heathen means unbeliever. This is the spirit that as American people we're going to have to fight against. This is the spirit as message followers we're going to have to fight against. We'll either fight against it or become part of it. I know it all. That no matter what you preach, everybody knows more than you do. People know more than doctors. They think because they got Dr. Google, they know more than anything. Come on, somebody preach with me this morning. They think they can do a search on this and a search on that. I'll tell you one thing, friend. When we get that old American spirit on us, we better find us an altar. We better find us a place and say, God, get that thing off of me, Lord. Help me, Lord, that my spirit is teachable. Help me that my life is moldable in the presence of God look at this little old lamb what a wonderful little creature he is God likens this to sheep now the lamb must be a simple lamb the first thing a lamb in its nature is simple now let's look at ourselves just for a few moments a lamb is a simple lamb but not us we know it all you can't tell us nothing and we call ourselves lambs. Oh, a lamb must be led. This is why a lot of the folks in the message don't think they need a preacher. They're goats. But if they were real sheep, first of all, they'd believe the Bible and then they'd believe their prophet's teachings, which they idolize. There's a difference in idolizing quotes and believing them. A lot of the message people are idolizers. They idolize Brother Branham's name. They idolize his life. They idolize his quotes. I don't want to idolize them. I want to live them. I want to live them. That's what I want to do. Let this word live out of our lives. And what are a lot of the message people becoming? Know-it-alls. You can't tell them nothing. You can't tell us nothing and we call ourselves lambs. Oh, a lamb must be led. It has no way to lead itself. Did you ever see a lamb lost? When a sheep gets lost, he's totally helpless. He cannot help himself. He's lost. He's got to be led. And a real genuine Christian has to be led. He has no intelligence of his own to know anything about God he just goes by the leading of the Spirit. Oh, how many can say amen so far? Watch this again. The organization system gets lifted up. That's what's happened to the Methodists. That's what happened to the Baptists, to the Nazarene, the Pilgrim Holiness, the Pentecostal. Lifted up self-will, self-centered pride. Oh my, that you can't tell nothing to. God can't find, listen friends, God can't find a way to get into their hearts. Can you imagine a person sitting in church, a person sitting around this message and they feel they know so much and God cannot find a way 
to get into their hearts. And if God can't find it, nobody else can. Lord God, we don't want to be them type of individuals. Brother Dow, I don't want to be that type of an individual that God cannot find a way to deal with me. That I'm so stubborn, so hard-headed that God can't correct me. God can't find a way to get into their hearts. And it's because they become so know-it-all that nobody can tell them anything. And by building themselves around reasoning with brethren, with brethren? You mean these ain't sinners are not out on the street selling dope? They're church people. And they reason among brethren. And they build themselves around their creed. And when they do, they leave God in the back. Don't you understand every move around this message that's come down through the years? Whether it's Perusia, Two Soul, Seventh Under, Tape Only, don't you understand they all come from the same source? Hell! From the heart of one being, and that is, you come to us or you don't get it. Look, every one of them with their doctrine. They made believing that doctrine, you're the bride. They made that the evidence of the Holy Ghost. It's been one after another, after another, after another. What's the tape only thing doing? The exact same thing. If you're the bride, if you're the bride, I'll tell you what, if you're the bride, you're born by the Spirit of God. Your name is placed on the Lamb's Book of Life from the foundation of the world. And you are not a self-centered, selfish individual. You are a lamb that can be led by the Holy Ghost. Let me read you just a few verses of Scripture and then we'll close. Watch it, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, that Paul says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. Now I'm talking about some of these modern guys that get on TV. The Lord tells me. Looks like they're having a kidney stone, you know. There's somebody out there today. That's got back problems. Yeah, the majority of us. There's somebody out there that's got a need. Is there anybody here that don't? That would be the miracle. But notice in verse 4. But he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. But he that prophesies edifies the church. But only, of course, if it's true prophecy. You see, if it's a lie, the prophet of God tells us what to do. You repent and get that lying devil off of you. Brother Donnie, do you believe in gifts? I do. I believe in the true ones. 
Oh yeah, I believe in the true gifts. I ain't got much. I ain't got much time at all. Remember, friend, I come from Pentecost, so I've seen a lot of gifts operated. As a matter of fact, I've seen some real ones operated by people who live like devils. I was in a meeting one night and I seen a man do something in a service that was absolutely ungodly, ungodly, totally ungodly. The preacher up there in the pulpit and after he'd done that terrible thing, he called me out and told me what I'd prayed that very day. The words I said to God. If them type of gifts ever come among the message people, I wonder how many of them will follow it hook, line, and sinker. You're hungry and you're thirst for the supernatural of God. Don't make yourself an open target for the devil. We judge every gift by the word. We want something in our church that will not just edify me or just edify you. I am concerned today for the edification of the body of Jesus Christ. Oh my, for those of you who have spoken tongues, you know what an awesome, wonderful thing that is. If you've never, it's hard to describe it and explain it, what it is, because all of a sudden something gets a hold of your mouth, and from within you, you start speaking in some language from somewhere, and it bypasses your brain. I know you think that's crazy. But it bypasses your brain. When I speak English, it must route through my vocabulary in my head, which is 100% Kentuckian. But whenever the Holy Ghost begins to speak through you, it's like it bypasses your intelligence. And you go to speaking words you're not even aware of. I've been in different parts of the world and being there, hearing Arabs and hearing different people talk and I've recognized that language. I thought, my Lord, I have spoken that language in prayer. But that was not coming through my head. It was bypassing my head. So if I get up here today and I speak in tongues and I talk in tongues the entire service and I can leave and say, glory to God, what a service. And y'all were saying, really? I didn't understand one thing, he said. So who did I edify? Me. Was I blessed? I guarantee I was blessed. I spoke in tongues for 45 minutes and y'all were just sitting there. Bless him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. And the more you prayed, the more he blessed me. Bless him, Lord. I don't want it just to be a bless him, Lord, service. I want it to be a bless us, Lord. Bless us, Lord. Help us, Lord. To be continued. Oh. Praise God. Paul did not devalue. Speaking in tongues to the speaker. He was not making light or ridiculing or making fun the way some have down through the ages. But Paul wanted it to be a priority to help the Corinthian people see when they come together. It was not, don't you understand? It's the same story that I started out with in the Garden of Eden. Started out with in heaven. It's the same story over and over again. Well, what makes it more difficult is that when it happens in the Garden of God, when gifts go to be handed out, and the people are speaking tongues or prophesy, I hate to say it, I hate to say it, but it's so among gifted men that are preachers. 
And you watch what they'll do with their gift. And they'll use that gift in a way where they can get the most recognition. And it's all about them. And again, I hate to say it, but I might as well. There are pastors in this message that can pick that up on people. And they can tell whenever they need a position. And they'll create one for them. And pull that individual and their whole church out of the will of God. By adding to their church by position. Instead of letting God place people. No wonder people hop here and skip there and jump over here and go over there. They're not led of the Lord. That's why the prophet said you should pray over the church you go to. Oh, but Brother Donnie, I could get more recognition. I could do this, 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 and this at that other church. You know, if I go over here, they may not do, which may be the one you need to go to. Because you probably get more of the discipline that you need to be able to be what you need to be. Instead of a politician behind the pulpit favoring you and knowing that you need a spot. I tell you, friends, most of you know me very well, very, very long time. I've never done that, and I'm not going to start doing it now. I am not going to make positions for people to keep them in our assembly. I mean, how many assistants to the associate, to the sidekick of the sidekick of the sidekick? What do we have to have? 45 assistant drummers? We have to have 37 associate organ players? Just so everybody can be happy? You're missing something. You're missing something. I'll tell you where it's at. It's in your soul. In your soul. Oh, but I've got to have a position. I've, I've, got, I've got to. And look at the position that people want. It's always higher. Right. Public. So people can see them. People will know it. People will recognize it. But the real servant of God. I imagine when we stand before the Lord that day. And the real servants of God stand there. The people in Paul's day will be overwhelmed. When they realized what that man done, they didn't have a clue about it. You imagine when Brother Branham walks before the throne of God to get his reward. And he stands there and all the things that he'd done to help people. It was never mentioned on tape. Our Lord Jesus knew what he was saying when he said, Whenever you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand said. Why? Because that's Satan. I want, I'll tell you one thing, glory to God. Well, hallelujah. You know that big offering that we lifted in church? You just got your reward. So when you stand before the Lord, it won't even be mentioned. Can't you see what a victory it is, friends? When this day is everything about selfies. People are falling off cliffs. For what? Selfies? People are dying spiritually because of selfies. It's selfie this and selfie that and selfie something else. Do you think it's just the people that fall off of cliffs that are selfie oriented? No, every individual here this morning are selfie oriented. That beautiful little baby girl that I dedicated, if time rolls along, she'll get big enough herself where she'll have her greatest enemy to deal with and it won't be her mommy. 
It'll be herself. Praise God. I want to be helped today. How many wants to be helped? Every one of you are gifted in one way or another. Some of you may never preach, you may never prophesy, you may never sing. But God has given you something to benefit his people. It'll be up to you then what you do with it. Preachers, many of them become kingdom builders. And they'll pull people to themselves. And then they'll isolate themselves. Many sheep have done the same thing. Pull themselves away from church. I don't need a church. I don't need. Don't you understand what spirit you're getting on you? The American spirit, nobody can tell you nothing. You know it all. Well, I hate to bust your balloon, but really you don't. There's only one being that I know today that knows it all. And whenever he's here on the earth, he didn't act like he knowed it all. Why? He humbled himself. Praise God. How many wants to be closer to the Lord? How many wants to deny yourself? Just look at yourself, friends. You see, each of us. Listen, begin with me. I'll begin with me today. Let the Lord look at me. My motives. My objectives. Let's bow our heads together if you would. Dear God, I pray today. If there's anything that I have done or said in any way that would be selfish if I've ever preached a sermon selfishly if I've ever done anything in any way Lord that would seem to magnify me please forgive me Lord God there's nothing about me at all and I'll go ahead and say it or any of these people that's worth bragging on We were lost, wretched, miserable, blind, naked. You saved us, filled us with the Holy Ghost. You likened Israel that way. You likened them as a newborn baby in the book of Ezekiel. And you said, I passed by and I saw you. And you gave a very strange analogy of a little baby that had just been born. And of course, when they come out of the land of Egypt and and you said that they were there in, in their mother's blood. And I, I passed by and I said, yay, I say live, live. No one had washed you. No one had suppled you. They had not rubbed salt on their body, which was the custom in that day. But you passed by and you found them. Then you go on to say in the next few chapters that you raised them up. And you let them become a beautiful young woman. And they come into the state of puberty, spiritualists would say. And then come into the state of womanhood. And then whenever they got to word that they would be able to receive seed from you, they opened themselves up to everything, every man that come by the way. Oh God, you found us. We was Baptist, Methodist, Church of God, Presbyterian, whatever more, searching for more light, searching for greater truth. Praise God. We come into this great truth of the message. Many of us have been around for a long time. May that that same thing not happen to us. Now that we're of the state of reproduction, we're at the state that we have reproductive abilities. 
May we not reproduce this man or that man or another. May we reproduce Jesus Christ, the Word. Oh, God, help us. May we lay aside our selfish ambitions, our selfish motives, our desires. Help us, I pray, Father. It's amazing when we read the book of Acts and on how that when the church was established, every preacher, every one of them, was run through the local church. Even Paul, when Paul was called by you, and yet Paul didn't say, bless God, I don't need the church. I don't need them to recognize me. But yet he went right there to the church, and the Bible says the church sent him out. Did they see something we don't? But we want so much for ourselves. We don't care what the church is, no way. And yet we will judge angels one day. Help us, Lord God. If there's a heart here today that is anointed with arrogance, selfishness, self-centeredness, may we lay it aside. Maybe for those marriages that are in trouble today, may the husband, may the wife, Search themselves and see if the core of that problem could be selfishness, self-centeredness, self-ambition. God cleanses, cleanses, washes Jesus. Wash my ambitions today, Lord God. Anybody here with me willing to raise your hands in the presence of God? Give Jesus your musical talent, your ability to write songs, your ability to preach, sing, prophesy, whatever it is. May it all be used for the edification of the body. You see, he died to save the body. He bled to fill the body with his life. He raised to justify the body. He come back on the day of Pentecost to fill the body. He sent gifts in the body to edify the body. He sent the fivefold ministry into the body that the body could be blessed and uplifted. Then selfishness tries to come in in so many different aspects and takes those gifts that he used and we turn it into our self-disciplined, self-made programs. Oh, Jesus, wash us cleanses hallelujah search me oh God know my heart I pray try me oh Savior take all selfishness self-centeredness know it all attitude away make me that I'm like you Lord hallelujah I know, friends, this is unusual today, but God ain't just speaking to somebody. He's speaking to a bunch of us. What about it? Anybody willing to say, Lord, come by my way. Search me. Am I selfish toward my husband, my wife, my children, my call, my gift, my church? Help me, Lord. Sing that for us, Harry. 
We don't have enough room up here this morning for everybody to come up around the front of the altar, but why don't you just this morning right there where you're standing, make that altar in your heart. Let the Spirit of God pass by and look at you. Now, look, I'm not talking about you feeding yourself and you doing things that you, you enjoy and you like, things like that. God made each of us with this mode of self-preservation. You leave after church and somebody stops in front of you. In three quarters of a second, your brain will react and your foot will go on that brake pedal. Just in three quarters of a second and you'll break. What is it? It's that mode of self-preservation. When we feel hungry, we feel the need to eat. When we feel thirsty, we feel the need to drink. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about when your home, your life, your church, your thinking, everything that's about you. Well, I don't. Ah, ah, ah. You ought to record yourself sometimes for about a week. And then listen back to how much you talk about you. And then wonder why we don't have the victory. And why we can't conquer. We might find out who is actually the center of this life right here. I wonder how much surprised we'd be that we find out, I didn't even mention Jesus for four hours. I never even asked him. I never even consulted him. It was all about me. Ah, ah, ah. We do it so much. I wonder if we even realize how much we do it. Praise God. Let's sing, hey. Let's just let the Spirit of God come. Tender our hearts. Don't be a, an American, a know-it-all American. Know my heart. Know it today. Won't you know? 
with our heads bowed. Just go ahead and play it, brothers. Maybe the Spirit of God has convicted you about something here today. Is there anybody brave enough to raise your hand in the presence of God? And say, remember me, Lord. God bless each of you. Out on the internet, what about you? Husbands, wives, children. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. I'm so glad you wasn't selfish. You didn't just come to redeem us from drinking, lying, adultery. But you come to set us free from self-centeredness. This is the whole epitome of your life. This is why it was lived the way it was lived. It was the exact opposite of selfishness. You could have been born in a king's house. You could have been wrapped in purple and linen. But instead you were wrapped in the cloths that come off of the ox's neck. It smelled like an ox and had sweat on it and hair. You were born over a manure pile laid in a manger to prove what? It's crucifixion time to selfishness. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, search me. fault and saw my need. Well, how many is glad you're in church today? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's sing this together as we get ready to go. I'm so glad the Lord not only points out when and where we are wrong, but he offers us a way out of being wrong and helps us. Amazing grace Shall always be 
Hallelujah. Aren't you glad he loves you? Despite all your faults, all your shortcomings. Can we just worship him a bit before we go? God bless you. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for pulling together. Please, friends, keep in mind, it's not a preacher that brings a service. It's not a preacher that brings a meeting. It's a combination of a gift and people pulling on the gift and believing and opening their hearts. You've contributed a great deal today to make this service what it has been. I trust with all of my heart it's been pleasing to Him. Don't you? Sing it for us, Harry. Morning, I see you in the sunrise morning. It's like a picture that you've painted for me. I love a letter in the sky. My story, I could have had a really different story, but you came down from heaven and you
like you Oh, praise the Lord. Did you enjoy church today? Hallelujah. Do you appreciate the word of the Lord? Amen. Certainly appreciate all of you getting to be here with us today. You made the service what it is by the grace of God. Certainly appreciate what Brother Donnie brought us today. We, it's spiritual food in due season and we needed it. Amen. Take this just a second to wish all of you a very happy Thanksgiving. As you travel and go to be with family and friends in different places, may God go with you. May God guide you and keep you and bring you back to church. Lord willing, next Sunday morning. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's give the Lord another good hand clap of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. These services are just, they just keep getting more tremendous all the time. And we're certainly glad that we're part of what God's doing in the earth. God bless you. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. God bless you. Let's sing a little bit more of that, Brother Harry, if you would. Nobody loves you like Jesus. Remember that. Praise the Lord. Nobody loves me like you love me, Jesus. I stand in all your amazing ways. I worship you as long as I am breathing. God, you are faithful and true. a picture that you painted for me love letter in the sky Say